0: Waste your time on somebody who doesn't want to like be texting you all the time. Go find somebody who literally, it hurts them not to be in communication with you. It hurts them to think that they have to go two weeks without seeing you, whatever. Like there is somebody out there that thinks you are the shit. When I was growing up, I was always told that I was too much to handle. I was too loud, too opinionated, too demanding, just plain too much. Now, as an adult, I celebrate these qualities within myself and within the women I know. This is a call to action. This is a space to own your too muchness. This is too much to handle. I'm Hannah Cranston, the host of Too Much to Handle, where we talk about the amazing, the raw, the ugly, the painfully funny, and just plain real truth behind being a woman in your 20s and 30s. These are the conversations you're already having behind closed doors about everything from sex and dating, career pros and woes, to body issues. And we're just airing them. They might be too much to handle, but that's what we like. And today, I'm going to do something I rarely do, but I am so, so excited about. I am going to do an Ask Me Anything episode, or an AMA, as the kids call it. So I've been hosting the show for about two months now, and I love that so many of you are former Think Tank or TYT viewers But a lot of you are new, and maybe you don't know me or what I'm all about. So I thought this would be an awesome opportunity for us to, you know, get to know each other a little better. When I started this podcast, I obviously knew that I had a lot to talk about and a lot to share. But I also knew that I didn't just want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about the community that we can really foster together. Um, And it's really about working together to navigate through the confusing and complicated and messy lives that we're all leading, you know, in our own ways. So I want to do more shows where I integrate your voices and your perspectives so that we can build and grow and flourish that community, and we can really have a more dynamic and progressive conversation. So with that said, that's enough of my voice. So I'm so excited because I get to hear what you have to say in your words, in your voices, and find out what you really want to know. Um, I'm going to be completely honest here. When I was going through these questions that you guys sent in, such, such great questions, um, I kind of teared up um, because, you know, I do this and I've been doing, you know, an iteration of this for four plus years now. And when I get to hear from you and your voice and just hear what you have to say, it's just so humbling and so incredible for me to hear that you guys care enough to ask me a question, that you care about my opinion and want to know things. And um, it's so nice because I'm like talking to a microphone or talking at a camera and I don't really, I know I'm talking to you and we're with you, but when I actually hear your voice and I have that tangibility, it is just so special. And so thank you guys for taking the time to record these. And so without further ado, let's hear from Hannah Vanning. Love your first name. Let's hear what she has to say. Hi, Hannah. I watched you when you were on TYT, um, and I've been really enjoying the podcast. And I'm 18 and really interested in the kind of alternative media and activism field and wondered how you got into it and if you have any tips. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you for recording your question. And I uh, thank you for listening. And I so, so appreciate that you are wanting to go into a similar career path as me. Um, I I love that you are 18 and you know that you want to do that. At 18, I did not know that I wanted to do this. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I studied biology when I first went into college, and I came out with a degree in psychology, economics, and business, none of which really prepare you for uh, the world of, of media or digital media, entertainment industry, all that jazz. Um, so I didn't know really what I wanted to do when I graduated college. And um, I kind of took time to think about what I was passionate about, And at the time, this is a little personal, but I was dating uh, guys who didn't know what was going on in Syria. And that really bothered me um, because it was so discouraging to think about how uninformed and ill-informed our generation sometimes can be and sometimes can be apathetic. And that really motivated me and made me realize that I wanted to do something to change that. I wanted to figure out how I could better inform people my age. Um, And I mentioned this to a friend, actually. And she suggested that I look into the Young Turks, look look into TYT. And I did. And I thought what they were doing was so cool. And I loved um, what they were all about. And so I got really aggressive on LinkedIn and somehow finagled an interview And I told them, like, look, I just want to get my foot in the door. I will work for free. I will get your coffee. I will make copies. I will do whatever it is. I just want to be in this environment. And uh, the person who interviewed me said, great. Like, start on Monday. We'll see if you fit in anywhere. Work for free for us for two months, which I don't think is allowed, but whatever. Um, Help me get my foot in the door. Um, And we'll see if you fit in anywhere. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And so, I started that Monday. And by Friday, I was co-hosting Think Tank. And I was in front of the camera. And I realized how much I loved it and how much I just—I knew in that moment that 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 is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was such an exhilarating feeling. Um, And I think, you know, when it comes to tips— I always asked for what I wanted. On my very first day of my internship, I said, I would like to pursue being on camera. And I told people, I wanna be introduced to people who work at the Young Turks and people who work at TYT. And then I told my um, co-host at the time, John, I said, I wanna be producer of this show. I just, you always, you don't get what you don't ask for. And so you're already on the right path because you're asking for tips about this and you're asking about this. So I love that. Um, But that is my major tip is ask for what you want. Um, Other than that, like meet with as many people as you can. Even people who aren't super connected into that world, if they even have a slight connection themselves, meet with them, have coffee with them, follow up, be really good about follow up emails. Um, And then my last tip is with digital meetup, we have such a... um, amazing opportunity and something that is so special about the democratization of information where you can literally right now today just start doing something just make it and make it happen um it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be you know your dream thing but just the process of creating and putting yourself out there and going through the motions is going to be uh or is going to set you up really really well so just go out there and do it. I'm reading um, Shoe Dog right now by Phil Knight, which is all about the founding of Nike. And so, in the words of Phil Knight, just do it. You know, I I hope that's good advice, but I, I I know it's cliched, but I really do believe that that is how you can achieve your dreams is just by going out there and not waiting for somebody to give you permission. Just go out there and do it. All right. Uh, Next question is from Tess. Let's hear what she has to say. Hi, Hannah. If I remember correctly, you went to an Ivy League school. How was the admission process
1: and how was your time there?
0: Thank you, Tess, for your question. I love that. Um, I actually went to Duke, which is like – not technically an Ivy League, but you know, it's still a top 10 school. Um, I actually turned down an Ivy League school. I turned down Penn to go to Duke. So, uh, but it's not an Ivy League school, but it is still a good school, and I appreciate your question. Um, the admissions process is brutal. I like there's just no way to sugarcoat that because not because it's like, oh, you have to write all your common app or essays and answer all of these questions, but it is such a crapshoot, and you're not told that enough as a high schooler because – Your, you know, your college guidance counselors will tell you that you need to be really well-rounded and play the flute while also playing tennis and, you know, get this grade and blah, blah, blah. But you have no idea what one particular admissions officer is looking for on that particular day. Or if they're hangry or they're pissed off or if they have like a personal vendetta against a random person from their life who also played the flute. Like it is such a crapshoot. So don't get so caught up and not just be yourself. And I know, oh God, I'm doing a lot of cliches today. But if you show people like your true self and you're not trying to peacock, you're going to end up at the right school for you because you're going to find a school that really vibes with who you are authentically. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't focus on like, the Ivy League component of that, I would go to the school where you think you're going to be the happiest. Um, I went to a school that I knew would sound impressive. And while I love Duke, I hated my college experience. And not enough people talk about that. Um, I think people like just build college up and say how it's supposed to be like the best four years of your life. And like, all of that kind of stuff. But like that was not the case for me. I was not the best four years of my life. And how sad to have four years when you're in your early 20s be the best four years of your life. Like that is not the case. They can be amazing years. And I know for so many of my friends and for like my sister, she loved college. Like they can be really great years, but it's not going to be the best four years of your life. So don't get so caught up in that. Um, But pick a school where you do think that your happiness can be more closely achieved. Um, I, I think like, like I wish I had gone to a school that maybe wasn't so rigorous in academics because I put so much pressure on myself that I couldn't find time to enjoy some of the best aspects of college and making friendships and, you know, building community and stuff like that because I was so obsessed with my grades. And yes, I, did well and it looks cool that I went to Duke and had, you know, a good GPA for like my first job out of college. Now nobody gives a fuck. So I think um like when you're going through the admissions process, just remember that this is sh- such a short period of your life and one that's important, no doubt. But picking a place where you're gonna be happy over something that's gonna sound good and that you are going to feel even more pressure to like play the flute and play tennis and get good grades and all that BS um, is not as important as as making sure that your uh, mental and physical well-being is is taken care of. So I, I hope that helps a little bit. I know it's so hard when you're like in the midst of everything to kind of step back and think about that stuff. But Um, I promise that that is, uh, the, the more prudent way to go about all of this. Okay. Let's look at our next question. Hi, Hannah. I know that. Oh, wait, I forgot to say her name. Sorry. This is from Jessica Camangelli. I don't hope I pronounced that wrong. Okay.
1: That you mentioned being politically aligned with your partner is important to you as it is to me, but do you guys ever disagree on current news events? For example, with the Kevin Hart scandal? Should he have apologized again for the comments that he made? Or should he have stepped down like he did?
0: Yes. uh, Thank you for your question. And yes, I think that we are, me and my partner are very closely aligned politically. And that's always been something that's important to me. And it doesn't have to be something that's important to everybody. But I know that's something that I prioritize in a relationship. Um, We don't, I don't think we disagree upon anything important. To be completely honest, we don't talk about politics a lot. Um, To be completely honest, uh, I have stopped talking about politics a lot since I left my uh, former job because while I stay informed and I think it's important to be informed and politically aware, I needed a break. I had like news fatigue, compassion fatigue. And I think that for my own well-being, I needed a little bit of a break from talking about that stuff. Um, so we don't talk about that. We don't, in our relationship, talk a lot about politics. I know where he's politically aligned, and I think we agree on most things. Like, I think I'm a little bit more outspoken with my beliefs in general um, and more prone to debate than he is. He's a little bit more chill, which is probably good. We're not at each other's throats if we disagree about something, but— um, but yeah, with, with the important stuff, I know we agree on. Um, yeah, but we didn't. We didn't really talk about the Kevin Hart thing. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, uh, Kevin Hart was supposed to host the Oscars. He during this time, he uh, it was revealed that he had written some pretty. Homophobic things on Twitter uh, a few years ago, like there was one that he wrote in 2011 that said something to the effect of like telling him his son that playing with dolls was gay. Um, So I think that he definitely should have apologized. I wish that was his first sort of response. Um, But as for stepping down from the hosting the Oscars, I see where his head was at and not wanting from not wanting to distract from the night. So I respect that decision. Um... But I, you know, other than that, there's not a lot to to say about that. Like, I think if you say something that's messed up and you learn and you grow and evolve from it, just apologize for it. Like we all mess up. There's nothing wrong with that. Like we're all gonna make mistakes, just apologize for it, and then you can move forward. Um, so that's kind of where I lie on that., uh, Okay, our next viewer or listener, I guess, is Ingrid Cortez. So let's hear what she has to
1: say. Hi, Hannah. Uh, This is probably going to take more than one recording, but as a 20-something-year-old woman as well, uh, I think nowadays we put an emphasis on building relationships, whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship, based on similar values. And I'd like to think I'm very open-minded and I'm very respectful of different viewpoints. But um, but recently, as I'm dating different guys and meeting new people, um, I see how political viewpoints may also determine the person's values and morals. Um, and and I guess my question is very subjective and depending on the person, but. When do you draw the line to okay, I respect your viewpoints and we can still have a relationship or sorry sorry, we can't be friends or have a romantic relationship?
0: Ingrid, that is such a great question. Um, I think for me, I love that you're thinking about this, first of all. Like I love that you're thinking about balancing your open-mindedness with your belief system and what you value and prioritize and where people who may have a different belief system than you, um, where they can sort of reside in your life. I believe that the line, at least for me, is when I believe that somebody's viewpoints could hurt others. So if it's a racist, a sexist, a xenophobic, or a homophobic, or a bigoted uh, viewpoint, or frankly, like even if they're anti-science and don't believe in climate change, like those are all things that can really hurt people. And I don't want to date somebody or be close friends with somebody who hurts other people. (laughs) I think that's pretty simple. Um, Personally, like, I would never date somebody that, like, put their personal tax cuts above the well-being of others that are different from them or marginalized. Um, That so which is obviously like a lot of the argument that comes from the conservative party sometimes. But that said, like everybody can be educated and everybody needs to be informed. And I think it's so important to have open and honest conversations with your partner and with your friends about your viewpoints and their viewpoints. Um, and you don't have to agree with everyone. You don't have to agree with all of your friends. You don't have to agree with your partner. Um, and actually it's good if you don't, right? Because that can open your mind more. I think... Wh- as as a country, and specifically as a party, if you are more left-leaning like I am, like, we've really submitted to tribalism. And I know this term is very uh, cliched, but we've really submitted a lot to echo chambers. And we just—we need to do better. We need to be better at communicating and fostering relationships with people of all viewpoints. There's this one story that I— love and frequently reference because it's so powerful. It's about a man named Derek Black, who is the nephew of David Duke and so was raised a white nationalist. He, as a teen, had his own white nationalist radio show for other teen white supremacists um, and had really racist views. Um, and he went off to college And because he knew that at the current time, uh, white nationalism was not a widely accepted belief, he sort of kept it quiet that he had this radio show that his family was, you know, the David Duke family, and that he believed this. And during his time in college, he was kind of like found out. And they put an email, you know, uh, on the listserv around school saying, this is— what this kid, Derek Black, has done. This is what he believes. Don't be friends with him. And he felt really isolated. And then there was this other student who was actually uh, an Orthodox Jew, somebody who presumably Derek Black had some pretty anti-Semitic beliefs about. And he started inviting him to his Friday night Shabbat dinner. And he invited a bunch of people to his Friday night Shabbat dinners. And of all different, you know, Colors and creeds and religions and all of that, um, and they didn't talk about anything that had to do with you know Derek's belief systems or his white supremacy or his radio station or anything like that. They just talked and became friends. And as their relationship developed, um, they started bringing up these topics and they would kind of, not, friendly in a friendly manner debate them and you know show their different viewpoints and different perspectives. And through the power of love and communication, Derek Black has since renounced white nationalism and now works to rehabilitate former white nationalists. Guys, like this evolution is so amazing to the most extreme, right? Like there is nothing that love and communication cannot fix. Um, And I truly, truly believe that. And so if there's somebody who you really disagree about something on, like talk to them about it. Like see if there's space in there for them to evolve. We have to give people the space to evolve. We are not doing a good job of that as as a generation, as, as people who, you know, partake in Twitter. Like no one should be deprived of, redemption. That doesn't mean you need to date them, but I don't think we should just cut people out of our lives if we disagree with them. You know, like I don't want to hate, hang around people who spew hatred in general. Like I don't enjoy people who even to the most like innocuous um, with innocuous subjects say they hate their birthdays or hate a certain restaurant or hate work or this thing or that. Like I don't want to be around that energy. So if you're hateful around certain people, like that doesn't work for me. But if you're open to communication and open to talking about your perspectives about really big and impactful things that, you know, whether that's in politics or current events or just your, you know, belief system, I don't see there's any— I don't think there's ever a reason to really cut somebody out of your life. That doesn't mean you need to fall madly in love with them and have children with them. But I do think that you're— You are doing a disservice to society by closing your mind off. And I know that sounds really big and hyperbolic, but think of Derek Black. Like, it took one student to welcome him into his home to completely change his viewpoint. I mean, that is powerful, So I think I try to remember that. I think it's so easy with social media to fall into tribalism and be like, oh, I'm only going to hang out with people who believe X, Y, and Z and who show it in this way. Um, But I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's productive. And I don't think that fosters the seeds of change, which is what we really need right now. You guys, this is serious. I found it. I found a natural deodorant that, wait for it, actually works. You guys, Myro delivers Obsession or the naturally effective deodorant that looks as good as it smells. So basically, they make this natural deodorant with a custom blend of all these different essential oils that release over time to keep you fresh. And it includes some barley powder to keep you dry, which I didn't know was possible with natural deodorant. Their formula is hardworking, long-lasting, and has no toxic anything. 0% aluminum, 0% parabens, and their ingredients are clinically tested for safety and efficacy, which we all know is real important when it comes to your underarms. So here's how it works. You choose your scent. I chose Pillow Talk because it sounded kind of sexy, and it smells like violet leaf and wild amorous, and then you can choose the color of your case. I got a cute seafoam green sort of thing, super cute. You get a refresh every three months that's delivered straight to your door, conveniently timed for when most people run out. You could switch sends, press pause, or stop literally anytime you want, but you won't want to because Myro is so amazing. You guys, because you listen to too much to handle, could actually get fifty percent off your first order, and you could start today for just five dollars. Five dollars, guys, for natural deodorant that works. That is a steal. All you have to do is visit mymyro.com/slash too much and use the promo code too much. Again, fifty percent off your first order and get started literally today for just five dollars by visiting mymyro.com/slash too much and using the promo code too much. Get on this now. Let's hear from Brindley Lowe. Hey, Hannah. I want to hear your perspective on the he's just not that into you philosophy when it comes to dating. Thanks. Thanks, Brindley, for your question. Um, you guys, this, that movie, He's Just Not That Into You, shook me. Uh, it was an eye-opening feature film, okay? Um, the, if you haven't seen the movie, the concept is essentially, like, if a guy is not reaching out to you, he's not texting you, he's not trying to hang out with you, and he's showing disinterest, he's not—he's just not that into you, you know? And I think we as women like we like the chase a little bit, and we're like, oh, no, he's just—he's being, you know, moody or being more aloof or whatever we try to tell ourselves to tell us that he really secretly loves us, uh, but he doesn't. And it's a rude awakening and it sucks and that feeling is not good especially if you're into somebody. But that's okay. Like not everybody's going to love you and that's awesome. You don't want everybody to love you. That means you're not doing enough to make yourself unique. Um and I think it's so it can be really discouraging but really empowering at the same time because if a guy's not really into you, great. That means That means that you now get to go find somebody who is obsessed with you. That is so exciting. Don't waste your time on somebody who doesn't want to, like, be texting you all the time. Go find somebody who literally, it hurts them not to be in communication with you. It hurts them to think that they have to go two weeks without seeing you, whatever. Like, there is somebody out there that thinks you are the shit that thinks you are the best thing since a sliced bread. And that's what you want in your life. You just haven't met them yet. So don't waste your time on some loser who doesn't see you for you. Go out there and find that man who thinks that you are queen of the universe. Um, I think men and women, frankly, I think we all are pretty good at giving signals for when we're into somebody and not into somebody. And what we as women especially need to do is, like, pay attention and think about, like, listen to those signals. When somebody shows you their true colors, believe them. If they show you that they're not into you, believe them and move on with your day. That's their loss. That's not yours. So that's what I think about that issue. Um, Okay, let's see. I have another question here from Derek Smith. Our first boy recorder, man recorder, I guess I should say, of this AMA episode.
1: How and where did you meet your boyfriend?
0: Oh, what a great question. Uh, A lot of relationship questions in this episode. Um, I met my boyfriend on a dating app. I know. Um, I used to hate the idea of meeting my partner on a dating app. I was like, well, that's just not a good story. And in the past when I've like briefly dated guys from dating apps, I was like, yeah, but like I don't want to marry somebody and like have to be like, oh, we met on an app. Like that's so lame and all this like stupid, you know, stigmatized beliefs that I carried around dating apps. Now that I've met my current partner on a dating app and I think he – is the best thing since sliced bread. I could not care where I met him. I could have met him in a dumpster. Like, I'll be like, um, you know, guys, we met on a dumpster and it was amazing. Like, I could not give an F about where we met. So don't get caught up in whatever stigma society has about certain ways of meeting people. Uh, Wherever you meet somebody who you jive with, like, that's awesome. And that's a great story because you met somebody who you jive with. Like, we don't have enough really meaningful connections, I think, in this modern day and age. I sound like an old person. I really do. I know. I can't help it, but that's how I feel. Um, I think with a digital age, sometimes it is hard to find and, and maintain really powerful connections. So if you meet somebody on an app or if you meet somebody at a dumpster, like whatever, if you connect with them, who cares? So that is how I met my boyfriend and now we laugh about it because we are both not, he definitely was not like a super app user. Um, I've definitely, you know, been on the app scene and and had my fair share of app dates, Mm -hmm. but it is pretty uh, funny to think that you can meet somebody who you so greatly respect and love and cherish on a app that you downloaded from the app store. Uh, It is a little wild to think about that. But that's how we met. Derek, thank you for your question. Okay. Our next question is from Maya Levy. Hey, Hannah. I hope you're doing well. I love you and I love your podcast. I feel like you always have so many
1: insightful things to say. I wanted to know what your biggest tips were for loving yourself and establishing a sense of self-worth, especially after a breakup or a difficult time.
0: Maya, I love you. And thank you so much for this question. And thank you so much for the kind words. Loving yourself and finding that self-worth, especially when you feel um, a sense of rejection, is really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It is really hard. Um, And maintaining a self-love and self-worth that can withstand rejection and withstand something so traumatic as a breakup is is sometimes near impossible. Um I do not claim to have all the answers for you and to that. That said, um I had a moment that I think I'll talk about in more depth in a in a future episode, but I had a moment about a year and a half ago where I was actually running and and I was thinking about all the things that I didn't like about myself, which I think we as humans often do. Um, and I had this epiphany, and I realized, I was like, wait, I am wasting my life, hating myself and hating my body and hating the things I do. Like, why am I wasting this time? I I only get one life. Why am I spending it being so unhappy with who I am. And that sort of really stuck with me and was a really big awakening for me. I'm not going to say like I got off you know, the treadmill and all of a sudden I was like, I love me. Like that was not the case, obviously. Like it takes a lot of hard work. And I think the biggest tip and the thing that worked the best for me was living life as somebody who loved herself. So I didn't necessarily love myself yet, but I tried to think about, okay, if somebody, if there's a woman out there who loves herself, how is she moving through the world? How is she talking to herself? How is she talking to others? What sort of activities is she doing? And how can I emulate that? So when I look in front of the mirror naked, A woman who loved herself wouldn't say, oh, I don't like this. I need to go to the gym and not eat as many sweets or whatever. A woman who loved herself would be like, fuck yes, right? A woman who loved herself wouldn't stress about what she was wearing every day or be anxious about something she said that was a little bit awkward to the you know barista in the morning. Somebody who loved herself would be really confident in what she says. That's not to say we're going to have moments where we feel insecure. Of course, that is called being a human. You're going to have ups and downs and that's okay. But sort of almost faking it till I made it really helped me because I was going through the motions of loving myself, even though I didn't necessarily love myself yet. And it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, Other things that helped me were, you know, in a similar vein were affirmations. Writing down, I love my body, even if I didn't love it yet. But saying it over and over again, your subconscious begins to believe it. That's how belief systems work. So saying I love my body, saying I love myself, saying I love my voice or um, my circumstance really, really helped me. Um, and knowing that nobody else gets to determine your self, self-worth, that is on you. You determine how much you are worth. And girl, you are so worthy You are so worthy of love and of loving yourself and of living out your dreams in your career, in your love life, in every aspect of what you are doing. And reminding yourself of that and not to take anything less than that is is a really important part of finding that self-love that you seek. And I love that you're seeking it because so many people don't realize that that's what they need in their life and they miss out on so much. And they're, again, wasting their lives away, like hating themselves. And what an icky, icky feeling day to day. You know, I, I really, I truly did not like myself until about a year and a half ago. And it took me a really long time to get there. But I promise you, if you put in the work, the world opens up and is so much more beautiful than you can even imagine. So really, I truly thank you for that question, Maya. And I, and I think a lot of people are struggling, through, struggling with that. So I love that you asked that and you care about that and you're working towards that. I know you will achieve that. Um, okay. Let's go to our next question from uh, RTG.
1: Hi, Hannah. Longtime listener, first-time caller. My question is, how do you maintain a healthy balance between having a presence on social media and work slash real life? Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for um, listening, and thank you for recording your question, RTG. It is so hard to find balance. Um, I know for everyone it is really hard, but since social media is kind of my work, uh, I really, really, really struggle with this one. But personally, I'm a huge fan of the unplug. Um, There are times when I do not have my phone out. I don't have it out at dinner. Uh, I don't have it out when I'm conversing with friends. I think eye contact and connection is really, really important to me. Um, So putting away my phone during that time, so I'm not even distracted by it, is a way that I sort of separate. Uh, I try not to have my phone out with my boyfriend or in bed or anything like that. That said, sometimes duty calls and you got to respond to something or post something or you need to take a phone call, whatever it may be. But I think just acknowledging it has really helped me. So saying, look, I'm really sorry. I want to talk about or catch up on or whatever." but i just need to respond to this or to post this because xyz and that way the person you're with feels heard and that you too are setting a boundary for yourself and a time limit i think setting that time limit is really important um i personally one way that i've i've achieved this in my life and and combatted some of the effects of that interweaving of personal life and social media is in the morning i don't spend a lot of time on instagram i definitely don't look at Twitter because that'll stress me out. But I will wake up and I will go directly and I write in my journal and I write things that I'm grateful for. And that's a different way where I can separate myself and really ground myself and become a little bit more present and in the moment. And then I can, you know, scroll through Instagram. I do it like all of us do it. Um, but really setting that boundary of saying, you know what, that's not the first thing I'm going to do in the morning. That's not something that I'm going to do while I'm trying to talk to somebody. Um, but setting that sort of, this is when I can scroll. This is when I can post. This is when I can do whatever it is that you need to do on social media. And then I'm going to go out for a walk, or I'm going to focus on work, or I'm going to uh, spend time with my you know, family or friends. We're not all going to be perfect, but just acknowledging times where you can unplug and um, be more present in your surroundings, I think is really important. And just remember that social media is not real life. (laughs) Like, even though I put a lot of my life on social media, like that is not real life. Like I didn't put the picture of me like sobbing myself to sleep the other night into Tucker's fur. Like I didn't put that on Instagram. No, but it happened. I'll be completely honest, it happened, but I didn't put it on Instagram, but I put my smiley photo the next day. Like Instagram is not real life. And remembering that social media is not real life um, is another really great way to sort of find that balance. Because then you're like, wait, I'm looking at a fantasy stream of photos. I'm looking at everybody's highlight reel, not their behind the scenes. Let me take take a minute back and think about my real life and my uh, film if you will, who want to stick with the analogy. So that is how I do it, is just setting those boundaries and setting those limits. Okay, last question, you guys, from Morgan. Where's Morgan's? Give me a second to find
1: it. Hi, Hannah. So my question for you is, What are your thoughts on the controversy revolving uh, the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside? Um, I love your show, and I can't wait to hear back from you.
0: Oh, Thank you so much, Morgan. Thank you for listening. Um, I love this question, especially since it was just Christmas. So Baby, It's Cold Outside, I'm going to be a no on that one. It is so catchy. And when I was playing these questions yesterday, listening before this show— I got Baby It's Cold Outside stuck in my head and then was just singing it around the house. It is so catchy. (gasps) That said, really rapey, real rapey. Um, There's a lot of slut shaming when she says, like, I wonder what the neighbors might think. I'm not going to sing in the tune because nobody wants to hear that. Um, She says, say, what's in this drink? That's like total rape drug. Uh, I ought to say no, 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 sir. And then he says, mind if I move closer? Dude, she just said no. Have you heard of a thing called consent? Um, and then he says, what's the sense of hurting my pride? Oh, barf. Like girls are always so worried about emasculating men because of those are the messages that we have been taught. No, if your pride is hurt because a girl does not want to sleep with you, Maybe you should work on your confidence. She doesn't need to work on opening her legs. Uh, And then she says, I really can't stay. He says, baby, don't hold out. Dude, she already said no. Okay, I don't really need to go into this more because clearly you guys know that this song is effed up and super creepy. So I personally think take it out of the Christmas rotation. Like there's so many other great Christmas songs, and frankly, you guys should just be happy you have a choice. Like, we have one Hanukkah song, okay? Adam Sandler sang one Hanukkah song, and that is all we have. So, the least you guys can do with your Christmas songs is not sing about rape, okay? So, I'm a no on this one. I think there's space to appreciate old classics, like Breakfast at Tiffany's is a classic movie. But Mickey Rooney is beyond racist with his yellow face. Like, we don't need to keep that movie in heavy rotation. But I do think that it's important to talk about and talk about why these things are problematic. So the fact that this song keeps coming up and every Christmas we have the conversation like, hey, this song is really not cool, is important to start those conversations around consent and acceptable behavior. Um, and like Breakfast with Tiffany's talking about why that— that sort of parody of, of Asian culture is not okay. So classics do play an important role in learning and evolving and looking at why things are problematic, but they're old for a reason. So maybe we should sort of like leave them in the past sometimes. Um, yeah, that's my thought on that Morgan. Thank you so much for your question. I think that's a pretty good place to end it. Thank you all oh, for your amazing questions. There were so many amazing questions. I wish I could answer them all. Um, they, these were just so thoughtful and thought provoking, and I, I I so appreciate the time and thought that you guys put into just going on the website and recording them. And you guys are truly, truly the best. And I love you so, so much. And I am constantly reminded of that, especially during this holiday season. Uh, I hope everybody spends the rest of their day humming, baby it's cold outside in their head. I'm so sorry for doing that to you. Uh, Thank you. We're gonna do a lot more of these AMAs. So uh, if you didn't get your question answered or if you didn't have time to record it, whatever, Fear not, you will have a chance in the future. Please, please, please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode coming up. Also, please rate and review this podcast because I'm going to be giving shout outs and reading some of your comments. And just a reminder, we'll be coming at you every single Wednesday in the new year. So buckle up because it's going to be too much to handle. See you in 2019. Bye.